Hello, this is me in my car, recording on my phone, doing a quick little prologue for Season 5, Episode 6 of the Art Fight Podcast. We were um, joined by Regular Car Reviews, which is Mr. Regular, Nick the Roman, and also Tony Airlines. So they were down from Pennsylvania here in Nashville to um, feature some, some cars, some beautiful cars down here that are really interesting. Um, I was able to shoot with them today doing some drone work, and then we had this conversation that you're about to hear um, at the, the hotel after. So it's a bit of an anomaly in the case of our podcast in the sense that Joe was on vacation, and you know here I am sort of setting up this remote rig and getting all that together and after a day of running around. Uh, but uh, just wanted to quickly set it up and just, you know, if you get a chance and you're not familiar with regular car reviews, go to the YouTube channel now before listening and watch uh, a couple of their reviews. Um, they basically are car review parodies um, with some toilet humor and with some literary references and um, philosophical um, outlooks and a cultural point of view it's pretty interesting and, and pretty funny and and uh and it's certainly a staple in car culture and i think beyond and that's why i really wanted to uh have a chat with them and so that's what we did so i just wanted to set that up real quick uh so i'm gonna get off this phone and then uh oh and by the way the the episode's about two hours long the first 30 something minutes uh the fan was on in the hotel room uh meeting room that we were in i finally figured out that it needed to be turned off and so uh, the sound will get better as things go on, but it's all good. Uh, so again, I just can't thank those guys enough. It was really a, a blast to hang out and talk creativity and writing and all the other things. So we'll just let you guys get into it. Really appreciate you listening and enjoy it. Um, welcome you guys I really really appreciate you taking the time I know you're on a short run here and so uh, we've never actually done a remote podcast before uh, and I've rarely done one without Joe so this is one of those where it was like um, just you know strike while the iron's hot and um, and if you guys were able to lend the time I would gladly take it and I just have so many things to talk to you about so I really appreciate you being here really genuinely happy to be on thank you for having us thank yeah. you for having us yeah man um and tony airlines as well and tony airlines. thank you for having me yeah um but anyway so you know obviously like you're probably not familiar with our show we're in different sort of worlds but um but related and that's kind of what i want to get to um uh you know i i find myself uh turning people onto your your channel a lot that are you know sort of nerdy creative types right that are not necessarily car people um and and then they find something in it, right? Because there's a lot more to it than just cars. And so for anybody listening that's not familiar with regular car reviews, um, go find it, go check it out. Your life mm -hmm. will be changed. But really what it comes down to is uh, you might have to, you know, some people are maybe more with the toilet humor and maybe less with the toilet humor, but ultimately the 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 impetus is writing and, and ultimate... Uh, uh, creativity I think is is what drew me to what you guys are doing um, I'm not exactly like a, a full on car person I'm, I'm super into uh, cars but I'm not <laughs> like there's levels to this shit man you yeah. know like there's people that are like um, so knowledgeable that it, it's just like it's a myopic kind of uh, consideration you know and so you guys are uh, I think a, a nice bridge actually mm. to a lot of people I wonder why people 
And uh, how's my mic distance? You're great. It's fine? Okay. I wonder why so many, so many people, like, the first thing they say is, I'm not, I don't know too much about cars, but. So you hear this a lot. Right. Like, I hardly know that much because, I mean, we just do our research. Uh, um, Nick and I are really literature nerds first, and by way of a commonly held focal point onto which you can throw literary concepts and toilet humor that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a departure from things that are supposed to be uh, sort of normative in the automotive community, I suppose. Like, it's not something that's necessarily um, that we set out to be subversive. If anything, it was kind of setting out to just uh, apply the things that we learned in grad school when we met, or at least from my end of it when I uh, joined after the Avenger review. Or no, I, the Avenger review was my first one. Was your one. first one, yeah. Yes. So it's, uh, and that's our, was our filthiest one. And so it's also one of those weird things where I, I try not to think too much about um, necessarily trying to do something that fits in line with what I think we're supposed to do. Uh, because what we're supposed to do has been changing over the course of five years now mm-hmm. to the point that you know where we were when we started isn't really where we are now i I mean it is in certain aspects you know i it we still bring a certain level of literary criticism to it and uh automotive criticism and it i i I almost feel like we're more automotive satirists than automotive journalists Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but it make a lot of mistakes yeah well i mean so do i it's it's part and parcel i mean it's the same thing of you it's, got the numbers wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost feeling like you're back in grad school a little bit where Yeah. You know, you're every Monday you're kind of waiting for people to break out the red ink. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just oh, okay, well here in it comes. In this case it's uh Reddit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conv- <laughs> it post has the word red in it. So Reddit's yeah. sort of like uh the office hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, is that, it me or am I super bassy? Oh, uh, you Or is that just my voice? It's it's just your voice. Yeah, one person. Everything's po- super flat. One person is potted down. I think that is Brian. Uh, well, now whoever. Me 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 me. That's not me. Me 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 me. Not me. Me 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 me. I'm on check. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I. Is it, uh, is it for the audience? Uh, is pot okay? is uh, short for potentiometer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we have gain, uh, and they all have... Oh, we're on maximum compression. Yeah, that's just to, to okay. keep everything level, yeah. No. Delightful. Um, all right. Sorry about for people who hear, who may be listening to this, who hear the uh, the air conditioner going in this uh, hotel conference room. Yeah, it's it's not nearly as, as clinically precise of a sound environment and anechoic chamber that our previous or actual studio is where there's trains going by mm. and people wandering in the door <laughs> of our offices and, uh, you know, UPS guy or whatever. So, uh, but no, just no problem. So, so the, one of the other things I think that, uh, I've been wrestling with as a as a as a creative and as an artist and just as a person for a long time uh, that I feel like 
I, I mean, I'm so glad to have you guys here to sort of just talk to you, right? It's like yeah. this funny thing. It's like, um, so one of the things I think that you guys wrestle with or not wrestle with, but sort of live uh, or navigate in uh, is the notion of nostalgia. Yeah. And that is such a... Um, that's a really confounding and, uh, and it's almost like an embattlement in a way because uh, uh, you, I, I think I remember you once referencing like Samuel Hines or somebody where it was yeah, like, yeah, I'm glad you got that one. Not yeah. many people read Flights of Passage, but it was something about like you can return to a place, but not you a can re- yeah, time, right? Yeah, yeah, you can. People go back in space, meaning physical space, because yeah. they can't go back in time. Yeah, so you go back to your old high school. I want to go back to my old dorm room and see if the graffiti that I put behind the mirror is still there. Yeah. Because I want to go back to 2001, which was, I think, my sophomore year in college was the best year. Because there was the most amount of friends. Yeah. And I think Nick, in one review, said, when, you, when, when you're going out, you have your crew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, those are friends that you never have friends like that again. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in co- the, well, there are different phases of life where each one you have friends of a type that you're never going to have again. Mm-hmm. The when you're like 11 or 12, you have those friends that you go on those adventures with, and you're out on your bikes and you're getting into exploring the area around your where Goonies you live. friends. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, and then when you become a teenager, you kind of have those friends that you form those sort of embattled kinship with that sense that because we were sort of put in this crucible called high school that suddenly we're going to um i guess you're navigating the same problems you're navigating you know self-confidence issues whether it's Mm -hmm. about a girl whether it's about sexuality whether it's about like having zits whether it's about having a date for this that or the other thing you're going through those formative experiences and though you won't be able to have that type of friendship again because you only really have those formative experiences once. Mm-hmm. And then when you're an adult or entering into that phase in your life where suddenly the uh, the cuffs are off and you're free and you don't have to check in with parents every mm-hmm. now and then, it's, you have that, it's, it's the group of friends that you've discovered freedom with or with whom yeah. you've discovered freedom. And so that creates at a parody, bond. right? Everybody's at parity in terms of life circumstances as yeah. well. Yeah. And then adulthood, you have those friends that you're settling into adulthood with, where you kind of uh, are able to commiserate over the sort of difficulties of adulthood. You're realizing that now, well, ugh, okay, adult yeah. adulting. You know, you have that 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 common ground, but. The thing is, with all these different friends groups, you have the capacity to have those friends forever, but it's exceedingly rare in a lot of cases mm-hmm. for uh, some groups to carry over. I've been lucky enough to know some people for my entire life. Now, I don't see them that often, but you know, I still feel like I can count them among my friends. And then there are other people who you know, I thought I was going to be close with forever, yeah. and I, it didn't really pan out that way. And so... If I end up writing something along the lines of nostalgia, this is why a lot of the writing ends up going back to nostalgia because, you know, it's not saying that nostalgia isn't saying that things can never be that good again. It's just saying that in that imperfect moment, 
I was kind of formed, mm. you know, and I love that. Yeah, yeah that's and, a line. Yeah, yeah. It is. And so it's kind of wanting to get back to or, or kind of having this feeling of wanting to get back to whatever it was that helped you become you because you feel more like you in those moments mm-hmm. and in those places where you were made. Yeah. Whether it was embarrassing moments, whether it was like great moments, whether it's just in a car that kind of smells yeah. a certain way, yeah. you know? And with sense memory and all that stuff, yeah. with smell, you smell something. Like if I go into a store and there's like a candle there and I just smell the candle and it smells like Christmas, and all of a sudden, like you're having an actual flashback. Yeah, you're like you're unlocking memories you completely forgot about. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy to think about because then you're like, okay, wait a minute, this brain is actually a really deep hard drive. It's just the yeah. end. It's just the indexing system that gets yeah. gets uh, discombobulated or disconnected in some way. But you have these things that are external that are almost uncontrollable that will reassign those those points of index to what you actually still have retained and not ever lost. Yeah, absolutely. And that's those that's the hard part about nostalgia is that I don't know what's all in there, mm. you know? Mm. It, it, but it has a sweet it's a bittersweet thing, right? Because yeah. it's, it's it's drenched in mortality, it's drenched in the passage of time. It's there's there's a lot that that is going on around it that makes it sometimes um, harder to just accept as being what it is. You, you, you based on the the the, the impulse that you get, the, the nostalgia that is um, enlivened by something. Some of it's good, some of it's weird, some of it's you know, <laughs> but it, but the, the but, but there's like this wrapper around it that it's all good, even if it's bad. Yeah, in this weird uh, way because it, it just is. It's authentic. It's familiar. It's your experience. Um, so I find that really fascinating. Like in terms of just, the, I don't think that there's a lot of um, media in general that does a few things that you guys are doing. One is like the way that you sort of dance with nostalgia and the way that you guys leverage that and work that in a in a creative way and and not in a kitschy right. It's not. Um, it's really you're just raising like you said. You're just sort of these are these are my references. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the same time. Um, you know, there's this point uh, of um, there's a there's a humanism ultimately. And oh, a, thanks for using that word. Right. I love it. It's yeah. a great word. And there's and there's what and there's a I can go further. There's relativism. Yeah. yeah but uh, no, but uh, it's, no, it's a very Jean Renoir thing. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So, but so I find myself, it, and I would imagine a lot of your viewers probably are on this level where it's like I'm, I'm seeing all this richness, right? Mm-hmm. I'm getting all of this absolute richness, and and I'm and I'm like grabbing my my wife like you gotta you gotta watch this <laughs> and then she's just like what the hell is going on you know i'm talking about the time that i uh you know shaved the inside of my asshole <laughs> i did it right before i had this class in de francisco building on <laughs> both ass cheeks now that the hair was gone felt like two honey hams just sliding back and forth inside of a warm tupperware box those were my ass cheeks that's a great thing of anyone who's tuning in and doesn't know who we are and we're listening yeah, you know, and it's, you might have to explain oh, that. it's it's a pleasant first 10 minutes and then you now we're starting to slide into okay this is what we we're actually sort of like well what we actually do for the most part 
when Brian and I sit down to write, we literally are just trying to make each other laugh, I suppose. <laughs> like a lot in a lot of instances, it's just, okay, that's a line, this uh, that's cool. And then we read back what we have and it's forming the basis of a review because you want to have like the right amount of of narrative but also the right amount of jokes and the right amount of information and maybe the right amount of history. It's like this complex formula that Okay, it's not like I want to, you know, martyr myself and say that it's a really hard thing. It's just tricky. And yeah. it's trickier than I think we sort of let on. But it's something that, I mean, I consider it a privilege to get to do it. Because when I was growing up, all I ever wanted to do was write. And now it's kind of crazy to me that I get to do it. And, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to say. It's, it's weird when you live in the, within the eye of the storm. And some people say... And I say this about Tony. I don't know how you do what you do. And people say, how do you write something new every week? How, how do you come up with these things? I don't know. They're just there. Meanwhile, joining us in the studio, we have not really re- introduced himself. Uh, Tony, you can check him out on uh, Instagram. Uh, yeah. Tony Airlines. Yeah, Tony, Tony Airlines. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's an airline pilot for a company. But when he... Knowing that this guy flies airliners and he's like ten years younger than us, and like how, how do you just the, the runway's this big when I look at it from the sky, and you just land there? Well, also just doing it. You're actually responsible for other people. Yeah, um, I, I it, can see like flying. Being like, I don't know, I'll figure it out, man. But it's up to me. I'm just taking care of my own ass. It helps to have a head start in aviation. You know, you guys probably had a head start in writing and film in a way with college classes and whatnot. Well, yeah. I mean, I met uh, Brian in an intro to film class that that, that was basically a film studies class. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really an intro thing because it was whatever the graduate equivalent of an intro to film class is. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, sort of where we watched uh, (laughs) Renoir and... And God, I love those know, classes and Ozu and all this other stuff that's Eight just and a half. Yeah, it's it's weird all, things. It's all great stuff, <laughs> and it all sort of s- stimulates your urge toward expression. Yeah, and I mean, it, it took a while to kind of get for me to get confident in what I was writing to where I think a lot of the stuff comes out easier now. Uh, it's yeah. sort of not as difficult to do it as it used to be. It's still tricky, but for me, it's all about sort of condensing everything I've learned yeah. and trying to create the best, like, streamlined version of what it is I'm good at. Well, that's why I think that what you're doing as far as the channel and what you guys do is it's so routine. It has an, It's iterative by nature and routine by nature, and anybody that puts themselves through a regimen uh, and is just doing something, and we gotta we gotta put a video out on Monday. Like this is what's happening. Yeah, uh, that's the best place to be because then you, once you see that you haven't fallen on your face, you know, and you've survived it for so long, um, then what do you have to be afraid of at that point, right? Like you're, you know, it's like hello, you're a writer. Yeah, there's no spell check on YouTube. And yeah. that's great. Yeah, like I'm not gonna get a bad grade because. <laughs> Oh, I forgot some commas or Mrs. Terwilliger uh, noticed your Mrs. Terwilliger noticed your extra punctuation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> innuendo. And <laughs> I or, you know, Brian, 
your writing is pretty good, but you tend to get off track. You've got to stay focused here. But I like that now I can take non sequiturs by non sequiturs. Yeah, it's whatever. A yeah. review is whatever we say it is. Like an RCR review, I mean. Hmm? Like Green review. Is whatever I say it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. It, well, eh, I'm trying to find like a less uh, jerky way of saying what I already said. Which mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's not whatever we say it is. It's just that if for whatever reason we decide we want to go on a tangent, yeah, like we can go on a tangent and that can be the entire video. There's no producer here. Yeah, and there's well, no, we are. Well, yeah, and there's no sort of uh, necessarily a, uh, a format to stick to. Like in a vague sense, there is, mm-hmm. but I mean. For the New York Auto Show, like Brian reviewed the bathrooms. Yeah, like I, yeah. I, 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 rev- I that did. almost seemed like uh, I saw that, and I was wondering if that was almost. Mm-hmm. I can't figure out if it's sort of like, um, like a like sort of a fuck you to the whole thing, or because <laughs> I mean, obviously it's your nature, and yeah. it's, I'm not saying it's not natively of your interest and historically of mm-hmm. uh, your pursuits, uh, bathrooms and all the things. But yeah. I guess I'm just wondering, like. For you to say, like, that's all I'm going to do. I didn't know if that was something that was kind of, um, I don't know, no, a response I was done, I to was, something. I was done with the New York Auto Show. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm bored. Yeah. yeah. I mean. So then, every, then it is. Right. Right. Okay. It's, it's, uh, the whole reason to go is to hang out with people from Jalopnik. And even then, they were pretty busy. I saw Jason Torchinsky. I got a hey. He gave a hey. I saw JF Musial. And I got a hey and hey. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, everybody's working. It's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was nothing new in 2019. There was that one truck, the Reventon or yeah. whatever that thing was. Oh, all the, electric. the bricky electric thing? Yeah. 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 And it was uh, just sort of a... Well, I mean... I you lo- couldn't get in it. They had a yeah. little, little <laughs> lucite wall around it. A little half, like, two-foot wall. And like, oh, you can't cross this. Mm. You can't sit in it. So who cares? Are you going to make it? Maybe you will. I don't know. I can hear Fister, Fisker Karma talking on the phone. It's, it, And I guess maybe everybody's waiting to 2020 because it's a nice round number to have something new. But half of like doing the New York Auto Show is to just be in New York. And yeah. yeah. Everything in 2020 is going to be about like sort of acuity or vision or you know, it's going to be... Hindsight. <laughs> hindsight. <laughs> Introducing the new hindsight. Um, no, but uh, so the other part of it too is so you you know we talked about sort of nostalgia, uh, and I I've been sort of unpacking that and kind of trying to reconcile with that in my work for a long time. Um, the other piece of it too that I think you guys are are and this is sort of exemplary of this, but you you are pro conversations, right? You see, you've you've said things that I've heard you say that sort of say that allude to um, the 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 desire or the, the the need for more conversations just as a loose concept uh, i don't follow so <laughs> this is a great place to start then. yeah absolutely um so like you you said something about i think it was the what was the toyota sarah which is pretty recent yeah um there was some it was something about there was a line in there about sort of like this is a car that starts conversations in a, oh, okay, yeah. In a in a world that was that, next line. Yeah, and uh, uh, that kind of it's it's an easier way. I think, and now see me flubbering for things. It's that <laughs> in the world that, in the kind of modern world we live in, which is going to sound really pretentious, but it's that I think we kind of need a shorthand for getting to a conversation, mm-hmm. and so sometimes if you have something 
about you or on you or that uh, it's just it's an easier way to get things started because most people I feel they only need a little nudge and sometimes like the car as a conversation yeah. piece can be that nudge and yep. then it brings out that <laughs> gregarious sort of uh, intuitive side of yourself so that you can actually talk to other people and be more social yeah it's like an unlock code for, for people's um genuine most authentic selves you just have to have something that's kind of triggering that in some way i hate to use the word triggered but i need a safe space don't tell me about your toyota <laughs> <laughs> when i was looking at just a random classic car uh and i came across ralph nader's book on Un unsafe at any speed mm. and all the cars in there especially the uh not the Pinto, but the Corvair. Yeah. Uh, when I, you know, heard about the Corvair and did all that research, I'm like, wow, this this has some story behind it. This has history. And back to the conversation piece type of argument, that's really would be the main purpose of such a car mm. is to, you know, bring it somewhere. Someone asks what it is, Corvair. Corvair, Ralph Nader, Ralph Nader, politics, yeah. and Liberals. that would be the the jest of the conversation. Would be you know it's a cool story piece, like uh, like an animal on yeah. the side of a wall. Really, I mean, well, and and I love that you guys bring that into the car world because it's really like my car. I have people that stop me all the time. Sure. And what what I love about it is that you know my car is not a overtly cool performing car or whatever but there's just something about it that's relatable to people because I, I most people stop me and they say that was my first car huh. and so like getting back to sort of that early stage of like this is when certain really heavy life things were being imprinted and so I'm just going to associate uh, my sort of cerebral development you know time or whatever to to this thing you know like uh, uh, I, I love that you know the conversation started for my car that it provides is is basically that was my first car ah uh, or like I mentioned to you guys earlier if you're, if you're under 25 it's like nice DeLorean does it go to 88 miles an hour and then I remind them it's a Toyota but um, but the idea that just that like I had a really weird experience just the other day where I was I was uh, in two lane traffic and it was a long stoplight and I you know had the windows down and everything because I have no air conditioning so anyway I'm driving up and I drive past this car and then these people had their windows down and then they leaned over to me while we were stopped at the stoplight and and they said uh, I can't believe you just drove up or something I didn't know who they were or anything they're like I can't believe you just pulled up right now. And I was like, what do you mean? They were like, we were just having a conversation. This woman was driving and this man was in the passenger seat, uh, this couple. And the man was talking to me out of the passenger seat right next to me in the, in the line. And he says, this is so weird, man. We were just talking about our first cars. And she had just said mm -hmm. in this moment, like seconds before I <laughs> rolled up, that her first car was a uh, – a Toyota Celica from the 80s. Mm -hmm. And you don't see nice. many of them because they're all rusted out now and they're gone. Yeah. Um, and so it was just, it was it was like the novelty times like like multiplied over the temporal plane of like, yeah. like what the hell? It was a, a real synchronous sort of strange moment. But none of those weird things would have, would have happened. And so I, I enjoy like uh, 
having just strange interactions with yeah with people nice. yeah i'm sure with the falcon right um yeah with the falcon i mean maybe it's well it is self-depreciation i don't think in real life i'm that interesting but when i drive that car i have a nice diving board for some pre-programmed conversations that make old people who otherwise may hate me like me mm-hmm. ah so um every interaction i've had when i'm driving the falcon people are nice to me and in Eh, this is almost like a psych could be a psychiatrist's bench because I believe if people really knew me correctly they would hate me but if as long as I drive this old car around I can wear the costume of an upstanding moral citizen (laughs) (laughs) so and with that I am good and now, on the other hand, the car is really fun to, to drive yeah, around. Absolutely. And I can take lots of people, which, on the other hand, is a um, substitution for having a real family because I feel weird that I'm the last person within my original group of friends, you know, no, no kids, no girlfriend, no anything, mm. boyfriend, what have you. So... I like to take, I hang out and do a lot of work on the Appalachian Trail, and I like to take hikers, take them to the Walmart, take them for resupplies, take them to their hotel. Um, Because in that tiny slice of time, I have a family or a crew going back to like the 90s times, and I'm driving around in a car I probably would have really liked to have back in the 90s. So... So, yeah, th- th- there was one really good line that Nick had about uh, a car that deposits you in the era of your best self. Oh. And that is uh, how yeah. I get when I drive the Falcon. And also, classic rock never f- never f- sounds so good <laughs> coming out of one of those things. Mono AM, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I, have, uh, I have... I didn't put... It, it used to have speakers in the back, and uh, some owner in some point in its history um the back of these old classic cars and for people who normally listen to like this podcast for like mma and art history and stuff (laughs) the old the the rear deck of most classic cars behind the rear seat but before the rear glass is just cardboard it's nothing it's super cheap so all throughout the 70s and 80s when you'd had the old cars and you want to put four four speakers in it um you would just get out a knife, uh, like a box cutter or a utility knife, and just cut an oval in here and... Or, like, score it and just punch it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, here's where your speaker goes. Six by nines yeah. from Radio Shack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Jensen's. I, I did uh, that. I had the yeah. plywood. I had, like, a yeah. plywood speaker box. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Back in the day. They don't even fasten it to the body. It just slides around. It's make it make, make a really heavy wood. Anyway... Um, I replaced uh, the cardboard with a new piece and uh, was able to buy a dual cone single speaker. It's very strange. Um, It's really three speakers. It has a large sort of bass speaker and then two tiny tweeters in, in in the middle of it, one for left, one for right. So your low tones in your bass, it comes out mono, but your high tones come out stereo. So you kind... You, you do hear... So it has some dimensionality to it. Yeah. So the low frequencies 
um, have low frequencies have no dependence uh, or low frequencies do not come from space or direction mm-hmm. by science and then the higher frequencies are what connotates space mm-hmm. and so the, you were saying it has a left and a right sort of little nodes inside the center of it yeah. that spring out sound left and right yeah funny so and that fits where the original mono speaker oh, would yeah. have been so uh, I normally don't listen I used to listen to classic rock more in the high school and then eh, it just sort of faded away although 99.9 the hawk still comes in clear <laughs> on the radio so yes. um, but I have my mix on my Sansa clip that goes in there and such great hits such as uh, Sister Christian Night Ranger yeah. Uh, yeah. by Sister Christian Can't You Hear Me Knocking by the Rolling Stones uh, uh, Montrose which is a slightly deeper cut. That was uh, Eddie Van Zandt? Mm-hmm. Towns, Towns Van Zandt? Towns Van Zandt? Some, one of the Van Zandts? Uh, <laughs> or was it Van? Or was it uh, Sammy Hagar before Van Halen? So there's a Van I, I in mean, there. We have the inter- Van Hagar. Van Hagar. Yeah. We have the internet right here. I'm just going to look it up. So yeah, the, the, Montrose. Uh, there's something about classic rock that... I find really interesting in the sense that it's been sort of encapsulated. There's like, it's like a cabinet that you can just sort of go into and whatever's happening, you should, you, you, you're going, you're going to feel great about the door that you're painting right mm-hmm. now. Or like the, there's some, it's just, it's got a role. It's got a function. Yeah. That's, that's uh. what's really funny is that like, so you know, we were talking about like my wife is a eighth grade science teacher and uh, her kids when she'll play like 80s music in the classroom sometimes and the the kids now they call 80s music oldies ah. like for us yep. like oldies is like 40s 50s or like classic you know like sort of you know um whatever um connie francis type stuff but i heard welcome to the jungle on 99.9 the hawk oh yeah Ouch. That's that's when it just It's weird like the little the little um sort yeah. of uh kind of yeah. excess slots they have for that they leave some <laughs> like the classic rock stations will have like 10% of their rotation that they've been running for 20 years. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they leave that available to like it's like why is like third eye blind or you know like mm-hmm. it's uh, always some weird uh, uh, throw me off a bridge once they start playing third eye blind <laughs> on the hall jumper. <laughs> yeah, yeah just, oh, it's coming. It's coming. It is coming because you have to refresh the cycle after your listenership dies. Mm-hmm. To, uh, just to clarify, Montrose. Now I have the internet. Montrose was a California-based hard rock band formed in 1973 after lead guitarist founder Ronnie Montrose. The band's original lineup. Featured, featured Montrose and vocalist Sammy Hagar, mm. who would on go, go, go on to Van Halen. So Very it's nice. Sammy Hagar behind that. Yeah. A friend of mine that I've worked with a lot, actually, and done a lot of music with, was in a band with Sammy Hagar called HSAS. This is back in the days in the early 80s when all of the 70s supergroups were splintering and then they would all form like weird fledgling uh, uh like acronym based oh, yeah. supergroups like it was like the it was a formula it was like the new thing that people did mm-hmm. um but yeah it's just funny like uh the the classic rock thing i, I mean i'm cool with it um <laughs> but but yeah i mean I, you know and you guys have a lot of you know, we're a little bit different right my my I don't want to say like I'm a generation removed from you because I'm not right, but but by like eight to ten years. When did you graduate high school? Ninety. Oh wow! 
Yeah. yeah. So it means something really like That's even ten to, years. I graduated in two thousand. Two thousand three. Twenty ten. Yeah. Twenty ten. Oh yeah. God, and the guy flies planes. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, in charge of passengers who oh are no God. longer referred to as people, but as souls. <laughs> Whose idea was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1990. So my high school years, my freshman year was 1986. You know, so uh, 86 to 90 was the time. And, and that was a weird sort of fulcrum or pre kind of fulcrum point, really, because everything went batshit like in 91, 92 right after I finished high school like hmm. the, all of you know sort of whatever you want to call it grunge and sort of hip hop turn the page and like all this stuff was happening it was a great time yeah uh, but we were in the time like 86 to 90 we were my my culture was like uh, we were in defiance of hair bands and hair metal that was like so there was really good shit going on punk and and what like Jane's Addiction doesn't get credit for being like what they were back oh, in those totally t- yeah like back in those times like Nirvana is like the bookmark of like okay that's whatever that's when that page turned and it's like no 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 mm-hmm. it was Jane, it was Jane's Addiction nothing shocking in 1988 and when that shit bad brains and bad brains, bad brains. Yeah. yeah I saw them in clubs with whoa yeah like I saw bad brains fishbone uh Jane's Addiction Red Hot Chili Peppers Ministry like all of that shit we saw in clubs you know with like 200 people you know wow. or whatever it was I, I love that I'm old enough now that I have like stories like this yeah I remember like when I was that age and I would talk to you know old old heads and they would be like yeah I saw I saw Hendrix what you know <laughs> you know uh, but my whole thing was uh, Dave Matthews band uh, seeing him and uh, see Tony just went ooh <laughs> like well I just so like they just he, played he, he played the vet, which means veteran stadium, the uh, old stadium in Philly. And it's like, yeah. yeah, I saw him in 1998. And uh, this guy in front of me, like, as all concert stories go, it's like, yeah, I was went to a Dave Matthews concert and I smelled weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd go back to high school, tell everybody, <laughs> yeah. wow. Mm. So can I tell you that my story of that real quick? I saw the police on the synchronicity tour in 1983. I had a cool older brother that would like take me to shows. And I remember distinctly wearing my like three stripe synchronicity shirt to, to school the next day and having, and be, I was like sixth grade. I'd be like, check, smell my shirt, man. It smells like weed. Cause I was at this concert <laughs> last night. They were smoking <laughs> weed. It was the deepest thing at the time. But yeah, like my first concert was Rush in like 1982 or 83. So it's in Genesis, you know, yeah. like all that shit. That's kind of like what I, that was my sort of launch point. I was having a, I was having a conversation with someone online and uh, I mentioned uh, Pearl Jam and this person said, why you listen to a dad band? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa to yeah. him, <laughs> to him, it's a dad band. Wow. And I'm like, have, and, and like, okay, my favorite song is from Pearl Jam, Yellow Lead Better. They're the one that everybody makes fun of. <laughs> and that he just kind of shitted that song out. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like this kid trying to come to grips with his brother maybe not coming back from war. And he's walking along a beach and he sees a flag from someone else's, uh, someone other, a, a house that wasn't his along the beach had a flag and he like tries to talk to people or no he waves to them and they don't wave and that's like the song but it's the 90s and you just drag out that concept for uh, a slightly longer 303 mm. and you're then man you got a hit 
I mean, I and feel then like... I am mine, which is a much more oh, positive. Yeah. For, uh, I like that song. Jack Irons drumming era. But anyway, yeah, I feel like in the fifties, uh, Albert Camus would have gotten a whole novel out of, out of Yellow Ledbetter. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, well, they didn't wave back. <laughs> yeah, woe is me. It's <laughs> a human condition. So, like, is is there um, what are the fringes of what you guys have read that you feel like? I would love to reference this, but this shit gets too weird. Or like, there, there has to be thresholds or levels to where county appointed first. So that's by, the uh, by Sarah uh, Orne Jewett. Jewett. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Look, oh. it's been going on two years, and I'm trying to finish this yawner of a of a modernist novel. Well, that was a sign in the class that we had. Yeah, and I, I, I bullshitted my way through that novel. Yeah, yeah I, re- I hardly read any of it, and I just put a bunch of stuff in and i guess dr vogel well i think we had no we had like a no, ch- we had vogel for that yeah that's right but did i have to actually write about there was there any questions about i don't that think book? we had to write about it or else okay. i would have been far angrier yeah. uh, than i was that was the first book that i read and so far one of the only books that i've read where i actually wanted my time back <laughs> uh, and, uh, and i remember telling vogel in class and he said that like he couldn't disagree more yeah, yeah, yeah like, he loved that book yeah i'm like i respect I your opinion it. someone just, goes to some little quaint ass motherfucking place in maine can i swear on this podcast all right he said yes that's you know hallmark fresh and you ever get a hallmark card and it's there's nothing written on it and it's just a bunch of birds yeah fuck you (laughs) (laughs) at least puts money in it quotes for crying out loud so okay this like retired or School teacher? Who yeah, even I think, was I the think, narrator? Who is she? I felt like it had something to do with like she lived in a school or did or a something. work. She goes to this town and everybody's super. They're not even quirky. They're just well, we're old and this is a tiny town in Maine and it's like it takes place in like eighteen ninety. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a okay. Imagine like every Stephen King novel where bad things happen, but you know it's kind of a nice town in the beginning, and then it that's, never becomes as bad. <laughs> yeah, that, sorry, I'm peeking. That, that's that's county appointed first. Everything's great. The oh. end. Yeah. And the whole point of reading the book is you're supposed to take a tactile um, uh, experience away. You're supposed to know how this place smelled, looked, felt to feel the earth, pick the flowers, make dinner with the people. That's it. It's like somebody's home movies, and you're reading it. It's like the Koyaanisqatsi yeah, of minutia. Oh, what's that word? The Koyaanisqatsi of minutia. Educate me. Yeah, uh, Koyaanisqatsi is that like famous documentary film from the like '80s that's uh. just uh, visual narrative. It's like mm. like if you t- I was like typical film classes, like an intro to film class would typically show this uh, Koyaanisqatsi. Um, I mean, I'm sure I've heard it's of basically it. Like no, it, there's no dialogue. You're not. There's oh. not a. There's not a beginning, middle, or end. It's I just the French film's pretentious and boring. The <laughs> French but it's just beautifully shot it's and it's, yeah, yeah, visual narrative. I mean, I. It's basically literary tourism, where the whole idea ah, is that you're you go. you're supposed to feel transported to a place because you're reading about it. Yeah. And I mean, end of story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, George R. R. Martin, he half his books 
uh, in A Song of Ice and Fire are literary tourism. Where, well, not half, that's ridiculous, but he does kind of get lost in the weeds of world building and making sure that you taste world these building. rashers of bacon and right. the, this, the bread and how it smells coming out of there, or the fish that's been burned black, but yeah. that's how they like it for whatever reason. And that concept is nothing new. We'll go all the way back to the Mordi Arthur when you talk about uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Yes, there's some kick-ass battles at the end of it, but the first part of the book is just how delicious this big feast is. Yeah. They go through everything that's on the table because no cameras exist. And yeah. not anybody can draw. So you have to, okay, how rich are these people? Well, let's talk about all every single thing that's on the table. And then, and then uh, uh, the, the Green Knight comes in, and they talk about the braids that are on the axe. Yeah, but they go on for pages. Yeah, <laughs> and it's because in a lot of experiences, or at least, well, okay, I don't know this, but I, my presumption has always been that the reason that they take these sort of detours is that for a lot of the readership, these people will never experience anything like this in mm -hmm. their lives. Like, they don't have a frame of reference for what a rich person's dinner looks like, and yeah. what a banquet, what a real feast. Ah. And then in the Jewett side of things, like back to County of Pointed Furs, there are rich people who won't know what, like, the provincial life is like. Yeah. So that the, you know, sort of rich person laying on their chaise or whatever, uh, reading the novel can get a sense for what it's like to maybe be without or not without but maybe not so you know bred it up right you, you know it's just suddenly you have this very provincial life this existence that doesn't demand any sort of societal um prominence i suppose you get that also in, in modern terms, but in much more succinct in, in Charles Bukowski's post office, because that is literary tourism for people who want to see how a complete uh, degenerate lives. Like he's delivering mail and then fucking people like on the job. He delivers this lady's mail and goes in and in a very Joey Diaz way, just I ate her monkey. You know, <laughs> fuck her or, tremendous. Oh, I stuck my dick in, <laughs> duck her dick in. I slapped her tits around to her back. You know, and that's the kind of stuff. You know, Bukowski's great. I mean, himself, like you look at Charles Bukowski's like alcoholic smoking face, like that's a writer. Yeah. <laughs> right there but i didn't read ham on rye because then he really digs into his parents and his like his parents were downright awful mm. uh, to him so you know well that's where uh, adam carolla said you want like in 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 a, in a very mm, i have to hold my tongue here uh in a very carolla way uh kidding not kidding uh, he says, well, if you want your kid to be really good at something, smack him around a bit. <laughs> There's like, well, I get it. Yeah, I yeah. get it. Yeah. It's um, a, yeah. This sort of tortured soul becomes right. some, like, has to find a vehicle in this more pervasive and impacting way than a person that's coming from a comfortable existence. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, like, so that's, well, that's another thing I'm sort of curious. Like, and like when I just met you guys today, so. For, people listening um you know i was able to sort of join these guys and sort of be a part of the process for the day um and and shoot some some stuff with you know and lend them some some drone work mm -hmm. um yeah. and and so it was just it was a neat thing um and you know when it, when i was when i was sort of contemplating like what 
what is like how can I be helpful or what it is that I can contribute um you know I'm sitting here thinking like what what do I even fucking care? I don't even fucking know these yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like fuck them, you know. <laughs> but but in but in reality, it's sort of like. But like when I when I greeted you guys today, one of the first things I said, I didn't plan on saying, it, I just said it. But mm. it, it was just sort of acknowledging that it's a super weird place to come to or come from to meet somebody that you guys have created so much shit and you've got like diaries and like I feel like I have all this sort of uh, knowledge right or awareness about who you guys are huh. or at least some formed opinion right or, or it could be totally wrong or whatever but I have something to come from where it's like you guys don't know me really at all and so it's that's a really strange yeah, it inequity is strange. to start with um, as a human to, from one human to another mm. so at, with with that I'd like to talk about your childhood no um, <laughs> Uh, no, but 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 I guess my point is just that um uh you know I have I I find there's so many sort of um you guys are very confident and very assertive in what you do. Oh, okay. You have to be. You have to be. Oh, you, I, you, I guess like while we're out on the film uh film thing, we I have a schedule, stuff I need to film, time time is that minute hand really moves when we're out there mm. and whatever happens on a film shoot it's my fault even if i'm not responsible yeah which i'm stealing that line directly from uh garrison keeler and the thing that really drained my energy this day was the on the road shots because are you talking uh, about today? I'm talking about today. Uh. Like I got, I was getting pissy at the end uh. just because the blood sugar was low. Yeah, it's been, it was a long day, and then, but navigating the midday traffic of Nashville, I did not expect that much traffic, yeah. and and having to be aware, and I'm driving a strange, very kind of fast, kind of cool French car, and I'm having to monitor this shoot at the same time. Yeah. Learn, ha learn, and form an opinion about this car at the same time. I'm being a producer, yeah. and that's a lot of system resources being used. And by the end of the day, I'm at the back of your Celica, just trying to remember what's in the case and what's in my yeah. pocket, and verbally saying, "In my left pocket is this, and mm. my right pocket is this. Yeah. This goes here, that goes here." Yeah, um, yeah. The, 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 I, like I, you should know also. Like what. What, one of the things I spent many years of my life doing is producing and recording records Ooh. for artists and bands. Uh, you know, um, I have my my skill set. I think for knowing how best to. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but mm -hmm. I, I'm aware that people are enveloped in their process and in their own sort of compression of, of stresses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had I've had things with some well-known artists where it's like holy shit this girl she came to my studio and we recorded for two weeks and i had to tape up every vent in the place because she couldn't have any air on her that was moving or she would freak the fuck out Weird. like there's just so but here's the thing at the same time she's a really beautiful person right and she's doing something that's really hard to do and is deeply emotive and wrenching of a, it's a hard process and involves a lot of people but ultimately it's her responsibility you know so everybody i think has those things that mm. just like that uh that uh that can kind of bubble to the surface as you're sort of dealing with that but my point even launching into that was really not about i was really just talking about like more your channel and like mm. what what you content you guys are creating um 
the shit you're making is fucking awesome oh, and you've been doing it for a, f- a really long time well, and very five consistent years, but, but thank you but, no, thank but you, that's, yeah. that's a fucking long time to do anything that's a long time to have uh like if you if you were married for five years people would say well that's you know you gave a good you gave a good run you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah. for you yeah oh, like you know, it just didn't work out it's the five-year itch or whatever you know yeah. but anyway so uh no but my point is just that that i find uh just i don't I, I, maybe it's, paradox is not the right word but you guys are both extremely uh sort of open and transparent about a lot of things that i would not be transparent about necessarily by nature like about your lives you know and just the things that you talk about right in a way i'm not saying like i just talk about my dick all the time that's mostly what i do yeah yeah well and so that's the thing (laughs) um but but just you guys are very humble and very open about a lot of things that are uniquely you as people and as humans in a way that i don't see very often like you guys have I'm sure everybody has a veil. Everybody has levels of veils, uh-huh. but your your veil is way the fuck back here. The compared- first time I got the first time I shaved my pubes was the first time I got them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because you gotta know where the line is, right? <laughs> what, is this? what the hell is this? <laughs> what the fuck is happening with but, this? Get it? But the other part of it, I just want to talk about that, that I find interesting is like you talk about what it is to be in Pennsylvania. You guys are you know unapologetically Pennsylvania, and I love. Mm. I actually am very envious of. Re- regionalism and regional identification because I don't really have that. I'm from North Carolina. Mm. I've lived in New York. I've lived in Seattle, Nashville, whatever. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm of, mm. like I'm like I'm going to you know ride or die like some state that I'm in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not saying you guys are to that level, but you're- Oh, in, I am. But I'm, not, I'm absolutely. Okay, sure. Yeah. I just don't want to presume that for you, but no, you're no, allowed cool. to ride or die. Um, but my but but when you talk about sort of the things around sort of uh, the, the perils of social isolation doing oh, what that, you're doing, yeah. right? Like that's, that's um, that bugs so, me. What what, did, what bugs you? Not being able to talk about creative things uh-huh. with the a lot of because aside from Nick, uh, I think we're the only people in maybe like three counties doing what this what living a sort of mm-hmm. creative media based life. Everybody else is go to work. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who do I hang out with? I hang out with well Tony here because he is, works a weird job and has time off during the week. Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, he lives all the way out in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, but it's a enough drive. Did I get the right town? Yeah. Okay. Um. So okay, like that's why he's here because you got like a like a week or two off. You're not scheduled <laughs> to fly anywhere. All right. And you have the you have the superpower called crew pass. <laughs> you just get on planes like it's a ride. Like Put the, my thumb out. <laughs> the uh the the legal version of catch me if you can. You just <laughs> get on a plane, you don't pay, and yeah, off well. you go. So uh yeah, it's it's him. Uh I have my friend Matt. The, I'm, I'm trying to think of people I hang out regularly. Right, so I was Matt. gonna say Ted. Oh maybe. yeah, Ted well, Stoltz. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the graphic designer who designed the RCR logo. Oh, cool. But he lives down in Lancaster, so that's like an hour and a half away. He's a full-time graphic artist, and he's his own boss, own company and everything, but he is really diligent. Like, I can't hang out all this week. I am working. Because he goes to the work, and then he works out at the gym. He's got big guns. You know, ah. and that's what he does. He he makes art and then lifts. <laughs> right on. That's Life. what he does. Yeah. Um, so... Um, but then he's also in the motorcycle, so um, we hang out and ride. 
Yeah. Duh. Do you think there's some part of that sort of isolation that actually you, you don't want to quell or that you feel like is necessary energy or some undercurrent that like, um, I have a feeling, I'm just going to take a guess, that this is something that you've always had, right? Like a feeling of, you know, everybody grows up with this feeling of alienation yeah. or self, like I'm ascribed as I'm different or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. But you, Big fish, small pond. Yeah. Like yeah. you go out to LA, oh, you do YouTube, great. So does yeah. so many other people so here, many, and they yeah. have their own studios. Yeah. Who are you? Have you had to like check your ego in your process yet? Yeah. 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 I met How, some other big, big, big YouTubers, and uh, they're, they have people, they have agents, and they have marketers. Yeah. And they, have interns we had an intern yeah for a little but honestly bit. like yeah. Yeah. all you're saying to me about that though makes me feel almost sorry for them i, I appreciate that people they have things yeah because yeah. yeah. like, like, i know you guys are doing just fine and the fact that you have it under your umbrella and you have it contained in some respect and you have it formulated to to a way that you feel like you can iterate this thing and it's comfortable it's not over you know you're not reinventing the wheel every week you know you mm. you have you know, sort of like what you said, like there's elements to sort of the writing that you know you have to kind of represent. And this is not knowing that you need to represent this because you're you're tied to an audience that you're a slave to. It's mm. just, you just know like that's the healthy balance of what feels good for us. Well, yeah, in a very writerly sense. I mean, I think a lot of the time sharing is more, oh, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> Uh, yeah mm -hmm. there you go Have, it's the champagne of beers mm -hmm. um the whole thing about sharing is that it's more for me than for or mm -hmm. it's as much for yeah. me as for the audience because yeah. last year i did this whole video about like uh my grandmother's passing and it was about how like within that month i had the end of this like casual relationship which wasn't really a relationship but still sounds I, awesome i had a lot of investment in it <laughs> yeah. which i didn't realize oh, that i had one of those like i didn't yeah. realize how invested i was in it and then mm, um yeah. and so i was already in the dumps and then after that i had a, a personal friend pass away and then like mm. the week after that uh my grandmother like goes into a coma and now we have to go to new zealand and i'm weighing the options of like can i leave my family during this and my mom's like just you have a job because my in my mind i always feel like uh, if i, I tell yeah. people what i do they're not going to respect it as a real job mm. and so but apparently everyone in my family like to them like i'm the one who like made it i suppose in the sense that uh, of making it being you get to do something you enjoy doing mm. for a living like not in the financial sense not in the whole like i'm on like tv or anything you know it's just you're getting to do something you love doing. And so when all those sort of anxieties hit and I had no one to talk to about it because I have to be strong for my family. And I mean, there are people that I could talk to about it, but I wasn't able to sort of express to the uh, extent to which I feel capable of ex expressing. Mm. And so I just, started writing and when i was done i recorded it and then i'm like screw it i'll just like put footage together and put it out as a video and hopefully maybe someone will identify with yeah. me on it or have been through the same thing and i got a lot of like messages about that 
uh, about what comments and emails from people who were saying, well, yeah, I've been through the same thing. I know what it's like. Yeah. Thanks for uh, putting out that video. And what's funny is like, it doesn't have a lot of views, but what's in, but that's not the point. Right. It's the point is that I had something to say and it needed to get out of me. Yeah. And so, and so whenever somebody says uh, like, hey, I, I want to start a YouTube channel, what should I do? It's like, don't start it if you don't have something to say. Like mm -hmm. it's the the idea that like when Brian started RCR, it was the whole thing about not liking uh, the types of like typical car reviews mm -hmm. that you would see of mm -hmm. like this is this, this is this. Parody is um, born of disdain. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah, that's a and, good line. <laughs> yeah, and it's along the same foundation of you know don't do a video essay channel if you don't feel like you're saying something different or presenting it in a different way. Now, granted, it's to the point where I think anything that we would do would kind of feel like what we would do because we've been doing it for so long that even when we break away from formula, it still sort of feels like so, uh, like on brand in a way, or at least I think so, mm -hmm. uh, just because, you know, that's just kind of what we're like you know there's going to be a little bit of weirdness in it but even the ones that don't have that much weirdness in it try to make up for it in like lines of just mm. like okay that's a line or that's an insightful thing something that people are going to quote to somebody else later like that thing of wanting to be a part of other people's conversations and you guys have done that like in such an incredible like I've spent my whole life making all kinds of shit, music and mm -hmm. all kind. I've just made so, I've created a lot of things over the last 30 years, but not, I, I can't imagine what it must be like to have like like the, the catchphrase thing, you know, and, and it's not, people get it. Um, and obviously a catchphrase happens, right? Like you, what, you just repeat it, <laughs> but, well, that but, there, is, that is but, there's, a... but there's something substantive to it as well. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it really translates. Yeah. Um, but like, that's gotta be like sort of weird. It feels as if it's outside myself. Yeah. Like yes. I didn't create it. Yeah. You guys did. I, I just said a word a few times yeah. and it matters a lot to you and it's, and it's, like here's my toy here's my toy here's my real car here's my toy car yeah, or yeah. name your other more dirty one yeah well that has that has weight because you bought it um yeah. you or you create you created that thing i had a bunch of lines in there i really wanted to have uh, become things i didn't become anything yeah it's kind of like that yes. seinfeld with the soup nazi and they thought <laughs> that the line coming out of that was anti-dentite. They thought that was going to be the big like catchphrase uh, or yeah. whatever. And it ended up being like no soup for you, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. But it's that thing of you don't necessarily you control your content, but in a very death of the author kind of way, you yeah. don't you don't uh dictate how it's interpreted or and see are the the car like reviews sort of thrive on this idea that all cars are subject to any interpretation outside of the what it's approaching it in a literary sense of wanting to assign meaning to something that maybe doesn't have the same meaning that the creators intended. Mm. And so, you know, it's cars can be transformative. People do all sorts of crazy things to their cars 
and that go beyond what they were intended to do. And I, I just find that kind of thing fascinating. And also the whole idea that we could possibly find something to say about it that's outside of how it could be interpreted. I love it. It's, it sort of reminds me of, um, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of, uh, like, the temporary autonomous zones. Uh, this weird writer, uh, um, Hakim Bey, he had this whole bit about poetic terrorism, and he was talking about how convince someone that they're the heir to a, a, a vast but completely worthless fortune like <laughs> 500 acres of land in Antarctica or an aging circus elephant uh, or an orphanage in Bombay you know ah. like it's weird but he's like his whole point is like for, for a moment these people are going to before they're able to sort of analyze what the hell you just said they're gonna feel this greater sense of possibility for themselves and their existence and so by you illustrating or de defining through this experience what the gulf is between where they are now and that perceived reality that they kind of caught a glimpse of just for a minute before they sorted out that it was total bullshit, that's actually poetic terrorism in the sense that, that the space in between there, now they will seek out that they will seek out that themselves in their lives and fill that in other ways that are there uh, you know of inspiration or, or whatever. Yeah. It's interesting uh, seeing both of you two from an exterior perspective as well because i i don't get involved in production i don't get involved in you writing did today. too much i did, did today <laughs> yes you're right you were an actor <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> this is true and a damn but, um, fine one i generally don't do that and it's cool seeing from an outside perspective of how they can engage your audience and how the audience reacts to what the content is that they produce um i'm, I'm part of like facebook groups Instagram pages that you know fawn over the content that gets produced and it's just wonderful to see mm. such an interesting reaction it's sort of like an airline dipping their toes in the water of new routes uh, um, in the sense that okay we're gonna fly from this little outside airport to Florida Tallahassee North Carolina wherever and the airlines like well I guess you know it might work and they don't know how it's going to work. Mm. Some people might, maybe all the people flock to Orlando, not Nashville, uh, vice versa. Yeah, it's very, it's a very volatile thing, but it's wonderful to see how it works and if it works in your favor too. Yeah, I'm telling you that that flight from uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, to the Orlando Sanford mm. Airport mm -hmm. was packed. Yeah, this this. Nowhere kind of secondary airport or third airport in Pennsylvania to the lesser Orlando airport. And the only carrier that flies in and out of Sanford, Sanford is Allegiant, and mm -hmm. people love it. <laughs> and it's everybody from the mid-state PA who want to go to Florida. Who don't want to drive to Philly. And ah. who don't want to pay the Philly prices of American Delta United, the usual. Mm -hmm. And... You guys have sort of tapped the niche market of car guys who don't want to maybe see that, you know, billion dollar professionally edited yeah. type of can we get thing this you see on done TV in three weeks? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's that with the rise in <laughs> with unlimited budget and a TV crew. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, the problem is that the, the higher the production standards go, the longer the production days sure. and the, the longer the turnover time. And you know, it's not like we couldn't just 
like take a week off or several weeks off, but we kind of resolve to always have a video every Monday. So it's, we don't really have the luxury of just saying, well, you know, we're going to just do the hell out of this one thing in terms of production. Yeah. Like your help today is probably like yeah. the most in terms of uh, different types of like cinematography. <laughs> oh yeah. Then we like what we what we just filmed and took like an hour doing at the end with the climbing <laughs> and stuff. Great. People are gonna love that. Yeah, it's that's gonna be great. That's really gonna go straight to the top of our cars <laughs> the second yeah. that comes out. Yeah. I don't know if I sh if we should put a narrative on the beginning of that mm. or just get some ambiance noises. I'm I'm gonna have to like maybe just get some sound effects yeah. for that because you know it's a drone shot and all you're gonna hear is <laughs> but well there's no sound oh it, oh the silent well then we gotta do yeah you know I gotta go out with my H4 and just find some gravel and it's gonna be like two different sound effects. Like left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. <laughs> like the shittiest foley ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe some random people saying things in the background. Hey, man, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the weird, like, sort of acid chatter. Yeah. Like bad trip, like brain chatter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like in those video games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it'd be the pedestrian voices, but the 16-bit quality <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Vice City voices where you can barely comprehend what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I crap all the way up until four? So, also, like, I would be remiss if I didn't, like, press you guys on this one last part, which is to say that, uh, you know, back to the writing, uh, you guys, I, I love that you've, I've seen you press this before, like, where people are like, how do you learn how to write, or how do you get good at writing, and it's so mine it's like how would you get good at cutting a yard like you just gotta do it like you just yeah. like suck at it it's fine like whatever just there's go there's no wrong way to begin writing yeah but now granted if you don't know the, the basics of sentence structure okay now we've got a problem here and you have to learn subject predicate we've got here a problem yeah yeah mm -hmm. um <laughs> each paragraph will be about will be about one thing or an idea. And then we'll move on to the next paragraph when it's about something else. So, okay, that now, granted, that doesn't really apply when you're talking about uh, a narrative for a visual medium, but at and least I do, group your ideas. I don't want to get ideas, into that, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. At least group your ideas together. Um, it uh, Write something, put it away, and then read it out loud the next day, and a lot of people don't want to face that type of, now that's self-congratulatory, isn't it? Because it's saying, I do this, therefore I'm better. But then again, all the YouTubers out there who just um, hitch their wagons to their own explosive personality, fine, it works for you. This is just how I am. Yeah. And I mean, but there's that one YouTuber who made the Marble Olympics, and that's amazing. Huh. Yeah. Okay, this is like you, yeah, ah, here we go. All right, <laughs> remember that game, uh, uh, Marble Rally or uh, Marble Shoots or something? It, it's like a version of Connects or uh, Legos, but most of it is tubes, and you build this little racetrack, and you dump marbles in it, and they go, wee, and you watch them go. Oh, yeah. All right, Tony knows so, what uh, we're talking doctor's about. Office. Right. Houses. Um, is like a table is it a physical game it's a, it, it's, or a video game it's a physical game um, but there's no board or anything 
Um, and it's a okay. You know that game that's in every doctor's office for toddlers that has the beads on the metal yeah, wires that you go abacus. around like that? Yeah. And oh, they, they, they have a beginning the and an end. drunk abacus? Yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now imagine in, instead, of tu- instead of wires, they're tubes, and it's like a little thing that you can dump a marble down, ah, and you yeah, can yeah, watch yeah. it go. Woo-hoo. Go I see. down like, like that. That's great. So... Uh, the Marble Olympics is a guy made very elaborate versions of that with different colored marbles, oh. and they he gave them names, and he narrates them in a very middle America broadcaster just facts as if this is an Olympic event. Wow! As he take it's it's That's commitment. Oh yeah. <laughs> And each, he times them. He, there's a scoreboard. The sets are, there's other marbles as if they're people watching this. <laughs> it is so wholesome. And in a world where every night the news is terrible, mm-hmm. you can look at this, and these are just some marbles going down, and there's a very plain spoken announcer telling you about this and then they finish wonderful we need more of that wholesome content in yeah the world it's why i love there's a there's a american i don't want to say american a, a world hero who uploaded all the kmart radio files the That's real right. to you real tapes that. and you can listen to kmart radio from 1986 complete with commercials and i'm like Awesome! You're talking about drapes. <laughs> this is—it's very unfashionable to right now in 2019 have positive memories about the height of American capitalism of yeah. the 80s. But yeah. yet it was there, yeah. and we're going to Kmart. We're going to buy some pillows, and you were there as a little kid, and they had the popcorn and the hot dogs, and it's Kmart. It was a big deal. Yeah. It was the biggest deal. I mean, obviously, yeah. like, Dan Bell and people like that have really, yeah. you know, yeah. really sort of uh, stirred that soup mm-hmm. um, in, in great ways. But, yeah, and so that's sort of circling us back through the nostalgia thing, too, right? Where it's, it's uh, but, yeah, I, I think about, I think about what was the biggest deal I could possibly experience as a kid it was like will you take me to the to the what or x department store on mm. saturday Boys are us. and it was this yeah pre for me is before like i remember i remember i i had my first computer it was a ti-499a it was a texas uh-huh. instruments uh, is this a desktop thing it was like a keyboard oh that had like a slide cartridge on it uh-huh. and that was really all that it was and it had a little bit of ram <laughs> and then um <laughs> TI 499A and then and then you would have you would hook it up to your television because you couldn't afford a com- computer monitor at that time that was I gotcha. ludicrous and then also you, if you wanted a floppy disk drive huh. that was extra and it, the floppy floppy disk drives at that time cost more than the computer what is that wow that is yeah, something that was, my, that was my setup so but here's the thing so here's the thing we did not have we had the computer my parents were like you want a computer i went to like some sixth grade enrichment program and i was mm. like and i played with one of those and i wanted to be a journalist or whatever the hell writer 
<clears throat> and so they got one of these for the family at the time. Obviously, it's like buying a small car or whatever. But anyway, uh. it was a big deal. So, but here's the thing is, it didn't have, we couldn't afford the floppy drive or the hard, uh, there was no hard drive, right? It just, it didn't store anything. Did it have? You had a floppy drive separate. ROM in it? It was had there? RAM. So it had it had RAM, but it did, you didn't store anything. What did it boot to? So it had like, well, I'm sure it had like a like an integrated circuit or some sort of basic sort of cartridge or something that it booted from that was like sort of the BIOS or whatever it was at the time. Okay. But you would basically just load up into a blank slate of basic computer language. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> so then I would get my mom to take me to the computer, or not to the computer store. There were no computer stores. They would I get her to take me to Kmart and take me to the magazine aisle and there was one computer magazine at the time. This is like 1982. Wow. And there was one computer magazine and I would get the one computer magazine about these things called computers and I would take it home and spend the whole Saturday because inside all the pages they had code, basic lines of code to do just random shit. So I would sit there all day and just like type feverishly in basic you know, line by line, and then you'd have syntax errors, and you'd have to go back and like fix it, and you'd wrestle. I'm not like 10, 12 years old, whatever, this time, so I'm not really good, good at stuff. You, and like, <laughs> I would get through, and then I finally like hit run, and it would just make like a smiley face of like ah, X's and O's on the screen or something. Yes. And then it was like, holy shit, I, I typed in all this stuff, I gave this set of instructions, and it rendered something back to me. That was like an incredible wow. psychedelic experience, epiphany of a thing. <laughs> and then we didn't like I said we didn't have a hard drive there was no there's no floppy drive uh, for this so then when I was done I would just turn the computer off mm. <laughs> it was just it was all gone yeah Damn. and then like if I wanted to if I wanted to, in the earliest days of computing if I wanted to do something on the computer I had to type in all the code for the thing first and then run it in Yeesh. RAM it's like playing a video game that had no save states yeah. at all yeah like the very first Super Mario Brothers you yeah. know, you had to start from the beginning every single time. Or turtles and side time. note, I didn't realize that, that there was a cassette output on it, and that you could actually run audio ca- uh, RCA out of the cassette, uh, and then back up your data on the cassette. I didn't know that at the time, uh, so that was just how I was rolling. But you could do it to that. Um, yeah, weirdly enough, I had a drum machine um, for a long time that was an, it's called an Emu SP12 that was bo- made in 1980, born made in 1985 that had the similar thing. So, and I was using it in a band that I was in a few years ago this 80s drum machine where I could back up the sequences that I made Ooh. to, but instead of backing in the, them up to cassette, I would just back them up into the audio input of my computer and make MP3s and then store them in the cloud. And I would show up at a show to play, you know, I would use this drum machine in my, my set and, and I would just pull up my phone and then run audio out to the cassette RCA input of this 85 mm. drum machine. So it was like, weird that like stuff like that was cloud ready in this disjunctive kind of weird way. Every now and again, even though I'm not a music producer or have any right to get into that, I see another, and maybe, I guess this is the, I guess is the, this is the audio equivalent of, oh, fast car, oh, a good car, good Corvette, that's everything, I'm gonna cruise down. Memory lane, nothing's faster than a Corvette. It's the best. <laughs> it goes like a bat out of hell. It really rips. It's nothing's but. <laughs> but every now and again, I want 
an 808. Yeah. Even though I have no business. It is the Corvette of drum machines. Yes. That's fucking hilarious. Every every Corvette I've driven with, actually, no. C4s I don't really like. Um, but I know some people are going, ah, oh, C4s. I mean, ironic that that's like the 80s Corvette, even though it went kind of midways into the, the 90s. The C4 you said? C4. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, C4 went from 1984 to 1995? 1990 balls. Yeah, the LS, I think it was, was 96, was the first iteration of the LS, and that is the C5. Um, and by the way, just anyway. side note, for anybody listening that's not really into cars, you should know that the LS is sort of this um, mythical engine that is sort of, uh, it is the thing that everybody wants to put erroneously into other cars and see how it does. Right. And sometimes it actually works out really well, but it's basically this really reliable, powerful engine that was made that people uh, fawn after. And so it is part of it's the- It's weird that people yeah. fawn after. You get these engines for $200 out of a junkyard. Yeah. The, an LS is like, it's the Corvette <laughs> engine. Well, yeah, kind of. All it is is the, is the General Motors small block V8. Engine. It-, it it is. It's just the, engine. It's just an engine. Yeah. <laughs> it just so happens that it's a V8 that is used in many different applications. It is used in trucks, vans. Yes, the Corvette. Also in some Buicks, uh, some Pontiacs. It is a uh, medium displacement uh, V8. Although they do make them in larger displacements, it is very overbuilt, and they made tons of them. Economy of scale. What this engine. Um, because it's so cheap and uh, available from junkyards, or you can pay from Summit Racing Magazine, which is sort of the Amazon of cars. It doesn't have to be from the from the physical uh, catalog. It's just something you read while on the toilet. Mm. You can get it from online. Lots of aftermarket parts for these things, but they run just fine with stock. They also take to forced induction, meaning turbochargers. You can do nothing to these. Put a turbocharger on, and it'll make more power, and it won't blow up. That's the big thing. They are insanely durable for the price point. Yes, there are more durable diesel stuff that Volkswagen made. Mm. Sure. Yes, there is the 1UZ all-aluminum V8 from Toyota that is also very good. But for dollar value... The LS is great. Um, what is the dollar value version um, for music? I guess I want to play rock and roll. Here's my Stratocaster. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a good guitar. Is it revolutionary? Not really. Maybe at the time. I mean, I don't see. This is me doing the. I don't know much about cars. It's me doing the. I don't know about m- music. Yeah, yeah. But when I like the sound of the Telecaster, the first one. The twangy stuff. Yes, it it's country. It's more piercing. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that. There's there's some sort of feeling there. It's not to to me the tele to me the telecaster is someone staring into uh, uh, whiskey straight and contemplating their feelings and thinking that maybe their youth lies somewhere at the bottom of this glass. Yeah. Whereas a stratocaster is cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> I, I want California <laughs> cheeseburger. Like that's it. Yeah, the like, telecaster is almost eighty-five percent like... ground round. You know, that's it. <laughs> ground. So I mean, telecaster is like pointillism, right, or something. Versus <laughs> like I don't know, like. Uh, uh, abstract expressionism on the Stratocaster. It's like 
Hendrix could yeah could, could articulate it down yeah. and articulate on a Stratocaster in ways that most people couldn't. But uh, but yeah, no, it's funny. Like uh, I definitely get a sense that you have a, a little bit of music geek in you for sure. I know that you played drums. I'm also a dr- the lifelong nice. drummer. I just sold uh, my drum set. Oh, you did because I hadn't. Pl- I looked at it and realized I didn't play it in a year. That's it, a good reason to sell something. It was a Yamaha uh, Express Yamaha <clears throat> Express Four yeah. electronic drum set, and I'm like, this is great. I'm gonna play this. I won't annoy my neighbors. And then I realized they can still hear. It, it just sounds like someone playing rock band upstairs. It's almost worse, right? <laughs> it's just like, clack, clack, You can't. It just seems like you're playing one surface. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, and they, uh, um, I, I looked at it and like, this is great. It breaks down really easy. I can go play with Nick. I can take it everywhere. And then you realize it's a pain to put this thing back together. It's got all these wires. It really is easier to have an acoustic drum set yeah. and just make five trips to your car. It's it's yeah. tough. It's really tough for me because I, I'm in a weird point right now in my life because I've gone, this is the longest I've gone without playing. I mean, it was so much a part of who I was mm-hmm. for so many decades or long years. And so to now be in a place, I, I, I know I'm getting old because I'm just like, their, their drums are just so loud <laughs> you know what I mean like just they're loud and you have to carry it's just so much and then you yeah you try to economize with something mm-hmm. electronic but it's like now I'm dealing with what MIDI like yeah. fuck you know <laughs> I, yeah. in the beginning it's like hey these things never need tuning ever <laughs> right. great oh wait I need an amp I need to plug them in that's another thing yeah. having to plug your drums in before hmm. you, you never appreciate that your instrument is is self-amplified. Just hit it harder and it's louder. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny you say that. I was, I, I'll never forget this. I was recording a session once with this drummer. It was a band and, uh, and I was producing and engineering the session and the drummer, uh, I'll just be straight up, I didn't, the band was really good, but the drummer was not- Not quite your tempo. Not, well, he, he was pretty good, but it was just, he didn't have, he was one of those guys that was really good at playing live and just would bash it out and people would really respond to his playing and everything. But in a studio environment, it's more clinical. It's yeah. more like, like we've really got to understand what's going on here. And so uh, what I did was I put, uh, cause I'm a huge fan of like artistic constraints to mm-hmm. a, to almost like my own uh, death. So in the, what I got, what I would do for the drums when I was recording in my studio is I would put, uh, it's a microphone called a Coles 4038. It's a, a an old, British um, ribbon microphone that is uh, it's got an aluminum band inside that's like 0.5 microns thick right so it's just like it's like a model of the human ear essentially but uh, and these microphones are pretty expensive but they but they're still being made today but exactly the way that the BBC they were BBC broadcast microphones from the 40s but they still make them now uh, in exactly the same way and they're the only like you can't even get aluminum cut to that whatever you know anyway these mics are tremendous um but what i would do is i would just set up uh i would you know set up all you want man drums cymbals i don't care but you, you're gonna get one microphone mm-hmm. and i would set up a, a coles 4038 in the room and if you how go back, far from the set so it depends okay. on various things but i mean i would say think of it as like six feet away or something just 
in front of the kick drum that lat level or like, yeah, like kind level of, kind of like or? maybe just above the kick drum sort of maybe more pointed at the snare okay they're kind of like just above the sur- top surface of the kick maybe okay but there's no rhyme like there's this is not formulaic but that, okay. that was a generally and so what you do is since it's a broadcast microphone similar to these mm-hmm. uh, sm7s they're they they want a lot of compression mm. they're they're meant to be slammed with compression so the same thing with the bbc broadcast mics of these uh coles 4038s so you would basically set these up um and i would so i would set them up with one microphone maybe i would set up like a stereo pair as like room or whatever but basically i was just setting up one microphone and i'll never forget we were getting sounds for this record and we were working on the drum sounds and he was like um he was like hey man uh so uh the snare's uh too loud yeah i don't know what we can do about it and I, i was like okay i know what we can do either you you have two options you can play the snare quieter or you can play everything else but the snare a little louder <laughs> it's up to you like whatever you want to do because there's just one microphone and it was so you could see his brain just melt and i was like no you don't like when you have like we have a grand i had a grand piano in the other room i was like i don't have 88 microphones on my piano yeah like I'm not miking each string and then mixing it later. You yeah. know what I mean? So drums are just like a universal, all encompassing acoustic. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um I have you ever had to hand a drummer some marimba mallets and just say, play with these? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially on cymbals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shh. Yeah, just trying to like not have so much attack. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you see these pillows? I'm going to take the cases off of them and I'm going to put them over your heads. You play through that. Oh my god. <laughs> so like my my up uh, my my coming to pass with drums was when I was in my early 20s. I called up This is before the internet really. This is like 1996. I'm going to put an entire blanket in your bass drum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an entire so, comforter. So that's where I was, right? With mm. drumming, I was 23, 24. I, call, I so in, the, in 1996 I called up my favorite I just found his number and information in Seattle. I was living in North Carolina. I, I my this guy named Michael Shreve. He's the original drummer for Santana. Have you ever seen the Santana or the Woodstock concert film? Like the young I'm kid? I'm aware of Santana. Yeah, right, right. So he was, the, he was the drummer for Santana and he made all these other records after Santana. But anyway, I called him up just 411, got information, called him up, yo. Uh, I, you know, we had a conversation two weeks later. I moved to Seattle to be his drum tech. Little mm. did I know when I got out there. And so like for me, this is like piercing the veil of like your idols or, or you know, you have everybody has that moment in their life where you're like oh i'm not different than these people Mm. i'm just another person they're just a person you know Mm. so i had that experience when i was about 23 24 but i go out there and i'm thinking this is so cool i'm gonna be his drum tech i'm gonna you know tune his drums and help him and he'll teach me stuff and we'll have this symbiotic relationship and i get out there and i find out that he's embarking on this new drum setup where it is a 24 piece drum kit mm. from and it's all dw stuff so it's all like stamped with note values inside the shells like a you know oh, b wow. c whatever and they're all harmonically tuned and it was a he st- he stand stand would stand up and play it and it had like several kick drums and like all these drums and cymbals and shit it was the hardest it was like going to the mouth of the beast of being a drum tech like you gotta be fucking kidding me and we go and like he would play the opera house you know or whatever and I was like 23 I would have to schlep all the shit set it all up tune it all like everything so uh I got I learned early on like how can I just have this be efficient and not have all this shit and then uh-huh. and sometimes yeah sometimes you just need a blanket and the kick drum and <laughs> and that's just fine you don't need to have everything like melodically tuned on a tuner no, yeah. uh, 
But anyway, so I, we got to head out here soon, but I, yeah. want, I wanted to press you guys a little bit more just on one thing, which is, uh, one, I so like for instance, I'm working on a film right now with somebody where um, they're a performance artist and they've done all these sort of happenings around town and I've filmed all this stuff for about a year and a half. She's got this great narrative that she's put together about sort of people and place and why she does these things. And the struggle for her as she's writing it is we have all of this footage and then here I am trying to write my sort of point of view and then how to marry those two. And I thought that would be mm. a great question for the RCR guys because that's essentially the exercise that you guys are doing all the time. You're taking essentially long form or you know some sort of broader narrative that's constructed separately, yeah. separate impressions in some way. And then you're taking footage and mm. then you're sort of putting those things together. So what can you speak to that is uh, about your process with respect to narrative and marrying narrative authentically to footage and how to like because there's weights and there's precedence and yeah what am i talking about and what did i film that closely matches that <laughs> <laughs> i wish it was more complicated yeah because when we do a film shoot now there's two types that we do one is infinitely more common than the other and today you saw the common one let's film a whole bunch of b-roll bunch of different things and then we'll write the narrative and fit the video, uh, fit the video to the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, the other way is when you pre-write. It's yeah. a car I'm familiar with, and you can write the entire thing out. We do that maybe a couple times a year. Now that is makes the film shoot a little bit easier because now we know we have specific shots yep. that are going to be really poignant. But do you record the voiceover too before? No, okay. mostly the voiceover is always done afterwards. Okay. Um, and it's sometimes it's done a month afterwards. Mm -hmm. So we get to sit on the car for a little bit. Yeah. So you get, there's so many people who do car reviews like, this is all my first impressions. Our impressions are first, but we sat on them for a month. We yeah. didn't have to get – because right now we're recording this on Tuesday the – 14th. Or excuse me, Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, Wednesday. No, it's Tuesday. Tuesday, oh, May 14th. Oh, Tuesday. Uh, my watch is wrong. Yeah. So it says Wednesday. Welcome to the future. Wow. Oh, man. So, okay. It's, well, it's still the 14th. And <laughs> the embargo lifted on the new Supra uh, with the BMW engine in it. Now, everybody's like slamming out. They got to uh, be first online. Mm. We'll eventually get that in maybe like two years. And then we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like, yeah. We get, sometimes we get cars like right when they come out. But usually it's someone who was first online at the dealership and said, here, RCR, we got one. We got a, yeah. uh, no, we don't. When's this coming out? Uh, this will be out in about four or five days. Oh, cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, okay. uh, two or three days. Okay. All right. So we won't blow up like this particular one, but a bunch of people did it already, but we got way dirtier with it. Um, we didn't get the vehicle dirty. We just were really honestly kind of mean to it. Uh, because it has a very it, it it has it has the most reliable brand and while there were some glaring manufacturing issues with it uh, this is supposed to you know this is supposed to be the vehicle that nothing's ever going to break and like wow there were some dumb manufacturing stuff that went into mm. this for something that's supposed to be so durable and so utility based i can't believe they did this and it's even slow it's slow and it looks fast i'll tell you about it when off air yeah yeah uh, i started um 
sort of doing solo videos where I write and record and shoot the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I found that's difficult with respect to sort of formulating a narrative is that sometimes I pre-write a narrative and then I go to experience the car and I realize like, ah, shit, now I got to redo this because it wasn't what I expected it to be. Or that becomes the narrative, like the disconnect between the two. Mm -hmm. In a way, it makes it easier, Mm -hmm. but it makes it so that I wasted a lot of time trying to, (laughs) coming in with preconceived notions. And so I, there are times where like I want to hate something and I don't, or times when I want to like something more than I do and I don't. And it's just that same thing here, you know, with the tandem videos, the usual RCR videos where, you know, we're writing together and maybe we, we don't necessarily line up with everything, you know, in terms of viewpoint, but we have to find a way to mash those two narratives together into one sort of cohesive narrative. So it ends up being sort of like, hey, this is the uh, devil's advocate perspective or this is just another way of saying a different thing Mm -hmm. but the easiest way is sort of as you're in the process of making whatever it is you're making uh that you're kind of taking notes because i'm i always have my notebook on me so I, i it's easier for me to do it because i'm not actually like out with a camera you know, I, I still work the camera in the back for yeah. on the road stuff, but sure. that's not the point. It's that I can actually take notes and as things hit me, like write down in the notebook or they, uh, or I put it on my voice recorder on my phone and it, just things that I want to say, things that I uh, sort of view about what it is we're doing, uh, the car related bits. And it makes it much easier to sort of formulate everything. And this doesn't really help your friend because I'm saying, I guess, take notes while you filmed the thing. Sure. But. And that some of that has happened, but go ahead. But yeah. the another thing is kind of like remember why you did it, mm. um, which is, it sounds really pretentious, but it's also anytime I feel like I'm stuck and need to write my way through it, I try to remember like, well, why did we why are we doing this car in the first place and it's like okay well then you just keep writing until something sort of falls out like the whole idea of writing is that it all starts from being sort of a good reader and it doesn't matter what you read it could be the newspaper it could be an article on collider it could be a screenplay a stage play a teleplay it could be any have a familiarity with the sequencing of words in some purposeful way yeah, yeah. but like seeing other people or reading other people's writing is good like the more i read the more i want to write because mm. it starts burning up in me of like i it, start hating the author <laughs> like if i'm reading something like you're wasting my goddamn time yeah mm-hmm. well i mean i feel that way about some uh screenplays i've read it's a hobby Mm -hmm. just reading scripts but it's also kind of um sort of uh, invigorating or it's also uh sort of didactic in that i'm learning things about what does and doesn't work you know even the things that don't work i still find fascinating Mm. uh because you know there's certain scripts that i read that have really weird structure to seemingly no purpose and it kind of i can see where they're coming from 
but also telling myself that even though I'm not dealing in fiction-based narrative, there are still things to glean about structure from these types of screenplays to try to figure out how to sequence these uh, thoughts that I'm having or to maybe format it in a way that it has sort of a dramatic element to it. It's sort of like there's a reason to listen to avant-garde jazz. It's just like spreading out the, vo- the vocabulary of music in some weird way that now you, when you come back to just sort of conventional storytelling, you, you just have like a, a broader uh, palette and like a relational comfort to the structure that was maybe not there before. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I'm like all, doing the whole uh, Ulysses thing. Yeah, and I, in my Google searches the other day, because I wanted to kind of start a conversation on Twitter with whoever um, would be willing to engage with it, which is uh, like w- the line that I wrote was that Ulysses is so far up its own ass it has hemorrhoids for sunglasses, <laughs> and. But I ended up not posting it because I'm like, that sounds like a really pretentious tweet. And also, it's like, I can't really explain or defend why I don't like Ulysses. I just don't like it. Like, I get that it's avant-garde. I get that it's brilliant. I get that it's well-written. I get that it's doing all these subtextual, metatextual, textual things that I, you know, do and don't understand. But at the end of the day, it's like, at the end, I'm just bored reading it. Okay, he went to a pub and now he's having like ginger beer and peas soaked in vinegar. It's yeah. like, okay, great. And now the f- final chapter, it's just <laughs> one long sentence yeah. without punctuation. It's just like, uh. so the, there's yeah. no There's no shame in completely reading the spark notes for Ulysses. Yeah. Just not, first of all, know what the hell is happening. Great. Good. Now that you know what's happening, now you get to read everybody's inner thoughts. Like it's Leopold Bloom. It's it's, it's uh, um, Molly. Molly. It's Stephen Dudless, and they're all just going about a single day yeah. in 1909 ish around there. Isn't it just a retelling of the Odyssey? It well, it more is. or less. It's it's in a very vague roundabout way. But by, by the way, like. I can't help but also notice that you guys, if you just take the archetype of whatever the uh, the hero's journey, yeah, you guys, you you're probably aware of this, from also not aware of it, but yeah. from from an outside point of view, looking at like n- observing what you guys make, and then now just sort of meeting you, hanging out for a day. It's cool, isn't it? It, it is cool, <laughs> but it's also like this is fucking hilarious because you've got. Okay, you've got the heroes. You guys are the heroes, okay? I'm sorry, but, I rolled my eyes on right there. Right? <laughs> but then you've got... Take the compliment, Brian. But then Thank got, you. Right, but then you've Thank got you. these mentors, right? You've got, like, uh, Bruce Henn. Oh, yeah, Bruce Henn's the man. For you those of people listening, yeah, Bruce Henn is a master mechanic from Hamburg, Pennsylvania. And him, his team, his wife, it is... He is a car nerd, and he is very meticulous works works slowly but he builds things that don't break um he tried to get a when uh discovery channel was doing their all car build things he was trying to get on that it doesn't seem like his nature from what i've observed no he's he's very calm he's very zen yeah Uh, he speaks he speaks slowly deliberately calmly and he's friendly he'll play he'll have dirty jokes he had this one mechanic who worked for him who now works for penske which is a trucking company um, uh, 
uh, Tony Rumble, different Tony, and uh, he he was the Joker. Like you, you'd be welding, or or you'd be uh, working on the um, the media blaster, the thing that where you put your hands through the rubber gloves and, and through the holes, and you spray the sand silicate, and you de-rust things, and you restore them. He'll throw firecrackers at your feet um, just to see if you're not going to move when you're when you're holding something heavy. <laughs> throw firecrackers at you. Don't don't drop it. He, it was fun. Um, but Bruce Hen is is knowledgeable in a way that you know you can only be when you when you've lived the mechanics life to I don't know if he sought out to be one of the best Mustang mechanics, the guy. You you want a three valve modular engine to make a thousand horsepower, he'll do it and he'll make it work. Um, and he does the uh, three fingers rubbing together. That that all that symbol all means money, money. <laughs> like he says, all it takes is this uh. to build money. But I think a producers would have difficulty making it fit a television format that you could watch with the sound off from behind it. Because he's he's chilly. a sublime yeah. character. He's yeah. not a character. Right. Right. Um, it so, would be a very calming car show to watch. Like, here's how you build this. We assemble these things. Bob Ross. It would be, yeah, yeah. He's the Bob Ross of car builds. Little puffy clown. He isn't that talkative, though. He prefers to work things out. He would need a narrator to, to describe what's going on. And usually by the time, I, I floated the idea of doing stuff with him, but really at the end, he goes home, he's got a little daughter, mm -hmm. and then it's family life. And when he goes home, there's no more car stuff, and it's all family. Things. Yeah. Anyway, but, but yeah, he is a hero in my life. Yeah, I so want to be around a guy like that yeah. just to catch the crumbs of his knowledge of working on cars. Yeah, yeah. just the same as you want to be around John Coltrane or like anybody. It's yeah. just like, oh my God, like these people are possessed by something. In I want to be around Tony, like Tony Airlines. He has, and I mean this in all compliments, Tony, you're 27? Yes. You're 27 and you talk like you're 47. Yeah. Because, but I mean that, like he, nothing phases him. Because it's the pilot, yes. right stuff mentality. I would have anxiety to no end. There are all these buttons, and you have to know a different language, and uh, all the if the phonetic alphabet, and you're talking to, you're <laughs> switching the radio to talk to different people on different frequencies as your car, car as your airplane moves <laughs> from the localizer to the general to this that. You have your first officer, and you. Yeah, I'm glad I have one of those now. <laughs> <laughs> to delegate things to. And now you have two engines and you move them. That's that's like spinning plates to me. Oh, that's that's a trite thing to say. Um I mean still true though. Yeah. Uh it takes yeah. the right stuff, which is a movie, I think. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the about breaking the sound barrier and like the beginnings, oh, yeah, I think, of the right. Apollo program. Oh, I thought, yeah. <coughs> it's much better than the Ryan Gosling movie, which was just noise, noise, <laughs> noise, noise. Do you see they're coming out with a Catch-22 movie? Oh, uh, yeah. It's oh, like a Netflix original. Yeah. Or it's, everyone. Yeah. Ensemble cats. Well, I don't know I, how they're going to make it. I just that. find it like curious and, 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 and pleasurable and great, right, that you guys are... are the archetype and you don't perhaps think about it but just the mm. idea you have this series of different sort of heroes and then you have your sort of sojourns you have your, your sort of things your Appalachian Trail thing oh yeah you know mm. what I mean you have like these solitary pursuits right like you have you have things that you sort of gather energy from 
and then you sort of come back together, mm. right? Yeah. And then you've got this this sort of unified kind of energy, and then you make this, these things that are like uh, you know uh, reprehensible and, <laughs> and immoral and beautiful. Mm-hmm. A turn uh, across a threshold, but it's it's a very like it's re- like you have to understand. I've just never perceived anything <laughs> like this, oh, uh, and so you like that's why my that's why I reached out. Right, that's I'm not like I got shit to do, mm. right? <laughs> um, but I just really wanted to to be able to meet you guys and take the time and be able to be helpful and contribute in some way, hopefully meaningfully. And just to try to like talk to you guys about perhaps some things that maybe you guys don't normally get to talk about, and so hopefully yeah. we were able to do some of that. I like talking Absolutely. about music because like, we had yeah. this whole thing like when we were in the UK, and our host was for the UK, and sorry for the name drop, but I just thought it was so cool. Yeah, um, so did that I. our our fixer and host for the UK was Tom Clark, the the lead singer of this band called The Enemy. Um, uh, uh, they had I think well they had it was a number one album. Uh, no, this is early two thousands. Uh, uh, yeah, mid two thousands. No, it was like mid two thousands. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, mid to late 2000s. Deb, music producer, everything, everything, and um, but like my first memory of being at his house was getting diarrhea and wa- having to walk past the gold records in the hall to go shit up this guy's bathroom. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, then it, it's just kind of like as you're in the bathroom, there's also all these little things that I didn't even know were things like mm-hmm. the heated towel rack. Heated towel rack. Those I'm are just things. like, oh, yeah. oh, this is so, I'm wrapped in a towel and it's, it's hot. Warm. Like, what but kind the thing, of excess is this? You're like, oh, this is fucking awesome excess. All Tom wanted yeah. to do was talk about cars and all I wanted to do do with him is talk about music yeah. it's like you know i live in this thing all the time and yeah. like all i do is talk so i like to talk about things other than cars yeah it's like no, it's just planes weird. and not talking about planes but talking about cars ah, it's okay it happens after me being in the aviation business for since i was 14 damn and now i'm like can we talk about not planes maybe sorry yeah i was i was <laughs> It's funny, I was talking to Tony earlier because I was saying, you know, I'm a licensed drone pilot, so I've got this Part 107 certification. I've had to take all these, you know, study and take these tests and all this shit. Mm-hmm. And and I was telling Tony earlier, I was like, man, it's too bad that, like, they don't apply some credits from the Part 107. The FAA doesn't give you credit for the Part 61 or whatever for, like, it's kind of a student pilot rating. And I could tell, like, Tony, you were sort of, there was one part of you that was like, yeah, go fuck yourself. You're flying a remote control gun, <laughs> goddamn helicopter, and you want credit for like anything that vaguely applies to what I do. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying he you flies re- a Bombardier CRJ 900. <laughs> like you're looking at the ceiling of the museum today and be like, I could fly that. I could fly that. I'm sitting here thinking like I I don't even was know like, what that I is. I don't want to fly that. <laughs> that there there were a few sketchy ones. There were a few rusty ones. There were a few questionable builds. But yeah, so um, so on on the way out here, guys, I, I know you got like a whole night to have, and you guys traveled and everything. So I just want to get it done. But um, but I just well, first, I guess uh, I'll do a prologue. I'll tell people like where the hell they can find you. But if you want to like tell, because I know like Nick, you have your own channel. You have some other uh, things. Well, it's more or less you do just have your a own channel now. yeah. It's a depository <laughs> for family related videos that I do with my nephew. Better than a suppository. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much so. And so it's not a channel that I actually plan on doing anything with like it would be nice if for some idiotic reason it exploded but like i'm not actually trying to perfect get anything and where can people like, find this thing that oh, you 
that you barely care about that you love doing. (laughs) No, it's called Limited Time Roman. I love that. It's because my nephew uh, came with the idea to review limited time only food items. And so we just kind of started doing that for whatever reason. Great. And but there are other things on there like vlogs and um, uh, deleted. There are some like deleted scenes from like an RCR video that I would work on, uh-huh. like my New York Auto Show video. There were like some yeah. deleted jokes that I just threw in the New York Auto Show video that yeah. I did with my nephew. So that was fun. And yeah, mm-hmm. you can find me on Instagram at the Roman Nick. And then uh, the same uh, handle for Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess I just get my media following up so that the sponsors come knocking mm-hmm. and be like, here, we will give you $500 to promote this thing, mm-hmm. what, it, this box of... <laughs> This um, loot box. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about your Bluetooth widget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my personal channel is just called Mr. Regular. Mm. And right now there's only one video on it. And it's a vaporwave video mixed in with air traffic control chatter from PDX. No, no, uh, that was JFK. Mm, yeah. But I have another one. That's, one was on the regular car reviews channel. And I think it was some other JFK. Airport. And like, like <laughs> ground traffic was yelling at some guy. Because there was this tug that was going in the wrong direction. Always happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, always happens? Oh, oh okay. man. New Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Mr. Regular. There's going to be more music. There's going to be more vaporwave stuff and probably more hiking more about things. That, yeah. I love the vaporwave genre. It's like crawling inside a tape cassette <laughs> being played in a I've got, Pontiac 6000 yes. on the way to Kmart or to be local Boscovs to uh, Pennsylvania. I've got um, I've got records that I made only on 80s drum machines and 80s synthesizers as a rule. Yes. Like it's all the OG shit. Uh, I have many aliases, but this one's called Good Rester. I'll tell you about it later. But anyway, yeah. um, but regular car reviews is really like where it's at. And then all these tangential things are equally important because it's part of what these two guys are doing separately and together is a really an amazing thing. And I love that you guys are very different, but uh, at the same time, very aligned. Uh, maybe right brain, left brain. Mm. I don't know. Mm. And maybe there's something hemispheric or, uh, I, look, you know, it's not for me to analyze. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure yeah. it out. Who gives a shit? It's, it's, it's awesome and you should check it out and it's hilarious and it's insightful and it's funny and and sometimes you get left with big questions, you know? <laughs> you, you ponder postmodernism versus modernism and yeah. the, the culture snake eating itself for yeah. three weeks and you're like, why the fuck <laughs> is this guy populating my brain with all these concepts when I'm just trying to like learn about a car and, <laughs> and like I'm too high for this right now or whatever uh, yeah. no but um and then Tony Airlines you can be found uh, on my uh, Instagram Tony Airlines he's a good follow yeah. <laughs> funny follow lots of aviation content funny stuff videos occasional the uh, uh, the occasional live stream where I'm just in the cockpit here's what it looks like at work yeah fun stuff like 3,000 buttons. <laughs> 3,000 buttons. Which one do I press? Which yeah, one do he, I press? He was doing a live stream where... Uh, uh, we, um, now, he couldn't press all the buttons, but I was watching. I was like, can you just turn the windshield wipers on? And, then, and I'm like, yes, okay. this jet has windshield wipers. And for some reason, that was really cool to me. <laughs> that if they don't work exact... First of all, they're not in sync with each other. Yeah, they aren't, because they're and independent they're, controls. 
That's so weird. <laughs> like you have to one switch for one windshield wiper and the other switch for the other, and they're never in sync, and that drives me nuts. Yeah, they're going like. And it has an intermittent, but it's kind of pointless. It's a horrible intermittent. It's like I got in a Ford Edge once, and I was like, I would never have this car because the wipers go like this. But could you line up? I can't do it. Could you line it up so that like you hit the switch at the same time like you're launching nukes? Yeah. That'd be from great. my perspective, no. air, uh, airline windshield wipers is like trying to get your turn signal to line up with another car, and it's the same make and model of your car, and it won't. You ever notice that? They uh, never, ever do. The timing of the relay is just a millisecond off yeah, at yeah. all times. Yeah. Just want to get your bat out and just bash it over the turn. All right, fixed it. There. All right, hey, really, thank you guys for all the time today and everything. It's been a blast. And mm-hmm. um, and listeners, go check them out. And I'll talk to you guys all later. And thank you very much. Thank, thank you so you. much. We're out later. Cheers. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone